we have two guests on with us, both also just the epitome of definition of a hustler. We have Matt Garland and Harold Valenstein. I'm living in that 21st century, doing something mean to it. Do it better than anybody you ever seen. Do it screams from the haters, got a nice ring. You know, the reason we started this podcast is because Eric and I do get, you know, hit up or DM'd or we feel that we have the ability to inspire. And that's really what we started this. Instead of influencing, we wanted to inspire those and inspire those who wanted to to learn how to hustle and do the hustle and you know live that life and what that means. And I think that both of you have done it really well. You've been in the game for a really long time, but even as Matt posted today, 18 years and you're just getting started. Is that correct, Mr. Garland? 18 years and just getting started. Um, I'm, I haven't even hit my prime yet. So why don't you guys just quickly introduce yourselves and then we'll just jump right into the topic. Uh, if you want to start, Matt, since we we left off on you, go ahead. Quick, what's your elevator spiel? Uh, my elevator spiel. All right, so Matt Garland, NMLS number 58700, better known as MG, the mortgage guy. Um, I've been in the mortgage business 18 years now. Uh, I came in during the wild cowboy days. Um, I survived the Great Recession. Um, what else? I make a lot of content. Um, on social media to kind of educate the community at scale to make um, real estate financing as simple as possible. Um, I like to call my content real estate for dummies. Okay. Um, so, you know, I kind of try to make it as easy as possible. And my goal is just to continue to educate uh, on my subject um, matter. And um, hopefully it'll help people execute on their real estate transactions, you know. And that's just who I am in a nutshell as far as the business side of me. What about the personal? We don't need to know about the personal. No, no, we, we, want, to, we want to know how big the family is. You got to let the people Matt know. Matt actually has an incredible family. I love your wife. She's, yeah, she's a real hustler. Told. She's actually a real hustler too. She even almost tried to hustle me to buy the Dior bag. I said, you want my husband to? <laughs> <laughs> Yo, she probably, I'm, about to meet, I'm about to meet her right now. And when I tell her I'm, I was doing this with Alyssa, she's like, I'm going to say her some more stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, Tony, I love you, and I, I really would love to drop this, but it's 3,500 large. I don't know how Eric would feel about this in, like, Corona world. <laughs> <laughs> to be clear, I'd be upset. Yeah, talk to <laughs> That's just... Yeah, I yeah, think he'd be upset yeah, yeah, a good day. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, I got Tony. Strap, I got the kids. No, I got to hustle real hard to be friends with Tony, <laughs> to be her client. <laughs> Yeah, Tony. Tony is um, the queen of the household, and I got the two, the three little ones, Brooke, Sydney, and Chris. Um, so you know, family of five. So we out here just moving and shaking. The kids just started their own business, uh, which is good. They're selling products and everything like that, which is good. Really quick, no lie, it's actually amazing. Like, have you yeah. seen they smell good every night? Yeah, I swear to God, it's their lotion. Like every night, every day. Oh, that that body really, butter really is, good. Let me tell you, I just put some of that thing on before I left my office, man. And if like I have dry skin, so like only certain lotion work with me Same. because my skin just soaks it all up. But this body butter stuff, I don't know how they make it or what they're doing, but they it smells good. It, it, it keeps me like moist throughout the day. Me my too. skin is never dry. My hands are softer. You know, yeah. I, I, I like it. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, on that hand, note. Hand, hand modeling. Here we're we go. We're going to take it over to Harold. Harold, introduce yourself. What's your elevator show? Who are you? The, the funny part of the, is that uh, me and Matt's life parallel quite similarly uh, because this August is 18 years I've been in the real estate game as a uh, real estate salesperson slash broker. Um, they, I am known as Coach V, a.k.a. the real estate motivator. Uh, reason being is that I, I love to teach and like to get see those light bulbs go above people's heads, and, and that's how me and Matt connected um, in, in many ways, as well as people tell me, I got some, there's an energy about me that gets them, you know, gets them moving and get, you know, like what I'm saying to them hits them in a different space. So, which I appreciate. That's a, that's a gift from God. Uh, family wise, it's scary again. I'm a family of five as well. Three kids, a wife. So I'm, I'm just cracking up that me and Matt are so similar in, in that respect. And the fact that we connected even prior to, you know, his world tour uh, with uh, start to flip uh, seminar. And, you know, we've spoken, we've spoken together at those seminars. So we've, We've had a good time educating the people and continue to grow and and leave a legacy that's beyond just, you know, our families first, but beyond our families. Yeah. So I think that something is so fascinating beyond the parallel of your lives. And we'll get into it a little bit deeper because yeah. I, I feel like there's a lot of mortgage brokers and there's a lot of real estate brokers out there. And I think that the most, not the most, because you're both your careers have been long and fascinating and have had really interesting stories and aspects to it but something that's really bringing you full circle is what you're doing for your community and it's not in terms of you know each of you could just go out and hire people or you know hook people up with an opportunity but you're doing something more which is a lot on the education side and everybody who knows me knows that that's that's something that is dear and true to my heart because i wholeheartedly believe that the more educated you are the further you're going to go especially if like we've talked about before, if you have the natural inclination to hustle and then on top of that, you educate yourself, you can be a force to be reckoned with, which is exactly what you guys are. And so before you start your questions, I want to keep that in mind and I want to circle back because I think that right now, especially the topic that we've been talking about is, you know, how can you make a, a, a really substantive change where it's, it's a generational change and it's a change that's not just a band-aid or a sticker, but a real true change in the conversation, in the opportunities, and in, in whole, wholeheartedly just the way that people are, are seeing themselves and seeing their colleagues. Um, so I'll leave you there. Is there a question? No. Well, first, you know, it's audio, so I think it's relevant. So which community are we talking about? Why don't you tell everyone which community that so you guys are a part of and representing? If yeah, whatever that go community ahead, guys. Is. You can take it away. HV, you go first. I see you. So. Yes. So um, the community that I'm, I'm working hard to educate is the community I came from. So I grew up in Hollis, Queens, um, which actually had a lot of great entrepreneurs come out of. But there's also a lot of people who didn't come out of that situation um, as well as I did, and, and some of these other people like the FUBUs and the LL Cool J's of the world. Um, so that community who is, let's call it that, lower to middle, middle class, whatever's left of the middle class, um, who doesn't understand the rules of the game that's being played without them, and that they're a part of, but they're being left out because they don't understand those rules and, and, and this, the, the minimal knowledge that's necessary to participate in a game that can be played by everybody and on different levels, but and that's okay. As long as you're playing the game and you can have some success at whatever level you want to get to, I want to give people that opportunity. Now, after you get the information I give it to you, it really is on you. 
but I want to say that I was able to help um, open up the minds of people to see the possibilities of what, what can be done. Um, not as complicated as everybody makes it out to be. It's not as hard as, as they say, and, and people try to talk over their head. And like to Matt's point, I like to break it down to the simplest ABCs, one, two, threes, so that people can get it and start and get started. Matt, who's your community? Who are you reaching? <clears throat> Where's your reach? Who's your audience I mean, right now? Well, um, if you had asked me that question a year and a half ago, two years ago, I'd have said I'm local. But um, now I, I've kind of expanded nationwide. And, you know, predominantly I, I work within the, you know, Black and Hispanic communities all across, the, all across America. Um, you know, with a keen focus on, on, on the African-American community because, you know, we have the lowest home ownership rate um, through all groups, um, which is, we're, we're up now. You know, the latest data is showing we have like 47%, but we're still behind. You know, so, and I think a lot of it stems from lack of education in our communities. You know, lack of communications in, in our homes at that, just growing up with our parents, because they wasn't taught this stuff, financial literacy, credit, you know, things of that nature, mortgages, real estate, investing in stocks. You know, so, you know, I, I focus heavily on the black community because one, I'm a black man, and I want to make sure that my people do what they got to do to, to um, acquire assets and build wealth because it's here for everybody. So, you know, that's what I focus on. And, you know, obviously I help all walks of life. It doesn't matter. You black, white, you know, Asian, Hispanic, it doesn't matter. My goal is to help everyone, but, you know, obviously I focus on the black community. So both of you though, I'm gonna, we're gonna work this backwards. So both of you though, that wasn't your focus for the past 18 years and that wasn't, that wasn't what motivated you, inspired you every day. So what, both of you, quick backgrounds as to where you were and what inspired you to shift your energy and focus back into your own community um, and why? Well, I'm, I'll start that one off, right? Okay. So I can tell you for me, when, when I first came into business, um, they just gave me a phone book and told me, here, these people may want to refinance, call them, right? But as I'm, learning the business and coming through the business, I was never targeted to, you know, a specific group. It was more about whoever wanted to do business, I wanted to do business with them. But I would tell you, and I will be completely honest with you guys, and I tell people this all the time, when I, when I started working for J.P. Morgan Chase um, from 2010 to 2014, I, I feel as if that's when I got my MBA in mortgage banking. You know, I really learned so many different things about the, about real estate financing and just building wealth because of the type of clientele that I was working with because of JP Morgan. And I got really great education and wealth building when I worked on Wall Street. And, you know, obviously my clientele there, there was probably one out of 15 was a black person, right? But I kept on noticing a, a theme that these folks that I was, you know, doing business with when I worked for Chase, they were, you know, they had LLCs, they had life insurance, they had trust. You know, I can't tell you how many deals I did that folks had their homes in trust. And I never understood it. Like, why would you do this? Until I just actually started digging deeper. So I took all that information, all that knowledge that I learned on Wall Street, and I started applying it within the community, just the regular 
everyday people. And I started having these wealth type of conversations. And um, it just, I saw that people were just not exposed to it. So that's when I would probably say around 2013-ish is when I, I made a decision to say, you know what, I want to start having the conversations that I'm having with the folks on Wall Street. I want to have those same kind of kind of conversations when I'm in the back streets too. You know what I'm saying? Right. Um, so right. that's when I just really started focusing more on just learning more so that way I can teach my people how to do the same thing that I was doing with the folks who were working on Wall Street. Cool. HV? So I think I've always had a propensity to teach, right? Um, whatever knowledge I had, I always wanted to share. And, and I, was, I always coached. And I would use coaching, um, particularly when I coached football on track, because I had a lot of young men to help guide them a little bit and start kind of uh, implanting seeds of, do you know what a stock is? Do you know um, what generational wealth and those type of conversations? Everything I would learn and read, I tried to share. And they said the best way to learn something is to teach it. So I constantly always wanted to teach. Um, what social media has done has allowed me to do it at scale, where before I was able to talk to my family and, and my closest, you know, my close community, if I happen to be at a barbecue and I start the conversation and things like that. But social media allowed me to do this um, at scale. And I always wanted to do that all the time. And one of the reasons I was hustling so hard, I wanted to have a certain level of success that would be respected by the community I was trying to talk to. Because they, you know, that's what they respected, unfortunately, at that given time was material success. So if I could show that I had that material success, they may then come and you know, sometimes instead of me having to go to them, they come to me and say, hey, how did you do it? And now I can start having this conversation and start doing those things. And I'll give you a perfect example of it. Right after 9-11, just before I started real estate, um, I got laid off uh, from Wall Street and I taught in a, in a middle school real quick. And, but at the time, I was doing okay. I had a BMW. And I remember parking at the school. This was a school that was on the, in Ridgewood, on the border of Bushwick and Ridgewood. And one of the kids happened to see me. I finally got a parking spot near the school. And the kids finally saw me. They saw me in the car. They like, yo, Mr. V, that's you? Mr. V, that's you? I was like, I was like yeah, that's me. They said, like, yo, how you do that? Like, you're a teacher. I was like, not, not quite. I actually was on Wall Street before I became a teacher. And it's like, what's Wall Street? I said, well, you didn't hear about these stocks, bonds. So one day in class, I actually taught them what a bid and ask, you know, little different things just so they could drop that seed of knowledge and say, hey, maybe I want to learn more about this later on. And I saw how there was such a, you know, what's that kind of thing. So I said, I always wanted to say, all right, now I'm going to start sharing this knowledge from it. Whatever kid can listen and have any sense uh, to whatever adult age that they want to do it, I'll, I'll be able to teach it. And then that I got from Wall Street for my financial training there as an advisor and a trader. So uh, um, these conversations have been forever. This is fascinating. I actually didn't know that you traded as well. So I was going to yeah. head in a different direction with this for a minute, but I'm actually going to go another one. And I'm going to ask you guys, <laughs> well, because you both ended up on Wall Street, right? And that's not an easy thing to do from your community, right? Like where I ended up, I ended up in a private law school in the middle of Manhattan. That was definitely an upward battle my entire life to get to that moment. So how did you both end up on Wall Street? Like what, where, where was that motive? Where did that come from? That like, you know, that inspiration, that motivation, because it's obviously carried you through the past 18 years. And before we fast forward, let's back up. How'd you get there? Both of you. Matt, you want to take that one first? Nah, go ahead. Go ahead. 
Yeah. All right. So when I came, when I came out of college thinking when I got to college, I thought I was gonna be a doctor. Realized when I got there real oh, quick, yeah, they ain't they ain't my uh, University of Albany. Um, and I found out real quick that that's not the life I want to live. Right? That was not me. I was not built for it. Um, and I said I'm going to public health. Did an internship with human health and human services, and the the deputy commissioner was like, "Do you like politics?" I was like, "In what sense?" you like to play a game with people? I was like, no, I don't. She said, don't do this. So I was like, okay, great. And, you know, fast forward to my senior year, my brother's friend who happened to be a stockbroker said, hey, there's an apprentice program in uh, my, my firm. Would you like to be part of that? And I'd always saw like movies like Wall Street and all those other things. So I, was, I was caught by the, the action. I said, all right, let me, go, you know, let me go figure this out. And I remember going there at first hating it. But then I walked into the trading room and I said, yo, how do I do that? And the guy's like, well, you got to do a certain amount of years, this, that, and the other. But that was the advent of the day trader, where these young kids out of college were making crazy money, and I somehow got connected to them. So I ended up getting on a prop desk um, because what was funny is the guy who hired me was also an underserved, you know, he was from Thailand. He, ha- he happened to go to Albany. We never met each other, but he happened to hire me, and it was me, him, and a bunch of other guys that looked like Eric. So, as the minority in the uh, podcast here, yeah. the non person of color, the non individual. <laughs> so yeah, no. So so I you know I I, I became a prop trader. Um, was doing okay with it. Then nine eleven happened, unfortunately. Um, and the firm I was in went down. Um, if people don't know, I actually worked at the World Trade Center. I just happened not to be there that day. Uh, on the eighty third floor of of all floors. And right after it, I got into teaching, but then my father, who told me, hey, he's working for, he's working for and, and the Eric, know this guy, was working for Andrew Heiberger. So were you, Alyssa? And he was actually his driver. And he said, um, I see these guys are making a lot of money in real estate. You like commission jobs and the people always need a place to live. And he, he said, yo, let's go pay for my real estate license. And 18 years later, here I am. Highburger, wow. Yeah, so that, that's, that's how my career started. So very interesting. I, I have a relationship with Highburger. Very interesting one, but one nonetheless. Fascinating. <laughs> Matt, how'd you get into that? How did how'd I get, get into in, the business? How'd you get into Wall, Wall Street? Street. Yeah. Oh, so like I said, can you guys hear me good? Yeah. Yeah, so like I said, when I came into the business, um, well, when I started working for Chase in 2010, I started off in Long Island. Um, so I was working just in a regular, you know, neighborhood. But I used to notice that I'm doing 15, 20 deals a month, and I'm looking at my loan volume. And then I would look at the guys in Manhattan doing seven loans, and they'd be doubling up my loan volume. So I'm like, wait a minute. So after a couple months, you think you, you, you think you're rocking and rolling, doing 20 deals, but it'd be like five million dollars worth of business. And then you see somebody doing. 12 deals for $25 million worth of business. I'm like, wait a minute, hold on. I ain't no fool. Mama didn't raise no fool. We getting paid the same way, (laughs) but I'm doing triple the work and making less money. So I was telling my my regional manager at that time, look, I got to get the hell off this island and I got to get to where the real money is. Because in my career at that time, I've been in the business, what's this, 2002, 2003? So at this time, my entire career was pretty much dealt and I only worked in like middle-class neighborhoods. Okay. 
So I didn't know what it was to like, I didn't know what it was like to work with the affluent or the upper middle class client. And I really wanted to learn that, that type of business. I wanted to learn the co-op and condo business. Um, Cause working in Long Island, you don't really deal with too many, or, or Queens, you're not dealing with too many condos and co-ops. So that's kind of what made me want to go to Manhattan because I wanted to make more money and I wanted to do the big luxury deals because that's what I saw just in Chase and the culture, the guys out there in Manhattan who, and the women out there who were rocking and rolling, they were the ones getting all the credibility of like top producers and this, that, and the third. So I said, listen, I'm better than these people. Like, let me get out there. Let me, let me do it. Seriously. That was, that was my whole train of thought. Like, yo, if they yeah. can do it, I can, I can do triple what they're doing and, and make crazy money. So that was my, my initial goal was to go out there and make money and learn a side of business that I never had the opportunity to work with. I, I come from the hood. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. I don't Where, which neighborhood? People. Which neighborhood, man? So I grew up in Brooklyn. Right. So I'm the best of both worlds, Brooklyn and Queens. Right. So I grew up in Brooklyn, Bed-Stuy, do adopt before it was like Stuyvesant Heights or whatever it is. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like Thank I grew up when it was Crooklyn. Yeah. Yeah. This was Bed-Stuy, do or die. And I moved to Queens, I would probably say seventh grade, somewhere around there. But I, I, I claim Queens, you know, because I okay. went to high school. But I, again, I'm the best of both worlds. I'm the BQE, Brooklyn and Queens. So these are the, the neighborhoods Jackie Robinson. In the, in the exactly. <laughs> I, I'm the, I'm, I, so the everyday person is what I've always worked with. And I just, I wanted to like deal with that luxury clientele. Cause I'm like, hey, if I'm gonna be a monkey, I might as well be a gorilla. I might as well go out here. If I'm gonna so do bad. loans, why not do, do bigger loans? Like it just made more sense to me. But in all honesty, it was the best decision of, of my career because I learned from a knowledge perspective. But to be honest with you, I was miserable. So, I so, hate, well, yeah. I hated it. So, all right, I'm going to take this in. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah, go ahead. So, I just, just, slight, what I like, I think that another part that I'm interested in is, you know, we're talking about educating the community, which I think is fabulous. And let's call a spade a spade. It's not rocket science, it doesn't matter, black, white. Puerto Rican, Asian, or whatever it is, it's not rocket science, right? We can all understand concepts, right? So I was lucky enough, like you guys, I took a class in college on what an investment meant, and that's how I learned all those opportunities and I dove in. So there's a couple of things I'm curious about. When you're now speaking to this larger audience, there's two things that I want to know, and, and they impact both of you differently, your national audience, Matt, and HV, your New York City audience. So one... What is it that you're keeping simple and telling them, which is, which is fine. And I don't need like the entire agenda, but what it is that you're trying to get across when it comes to business. And then two, what strategies you teach someone, but you can't make them now strategize and win. So there's a big difference between them learning and the Machiavellian concept of the effective truth, which is the result of that. So I'd love to hear one, what you were teaching and you know, not everything a little bit. And then two, what strategy you're giving them so that they can run out and execute because anyone can go out and fail. Wait, and can I add to that? Because it, it adds to it. You guys both became highly educated in the traditional route and then worked in the traditional route. So to add to his number three, what are you teaching them to not do that step? Or is that step still part of the equation? And if so, what does that look like? Sorry. 
Good questions. Um, what, <laughs> what, 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 what am I teaching? What am I teaching, right? I'm teaching, well, look, I want people to own some shit, period. Um, so what I'm teaching is basically how to own some shit, you know, and in our, in, in the black and Hispanic community, we often um, don't try to do something because we fear the unknown or, or we fear because we're just not knowledgeable and we don't understand. And we feel like that we can't understand or there's no one out there teaching us um, in a level that they can understand, like Harold said. So for me, I'm just teaching people just to own some shit by any means necessary. And here's your options to go about doing it. And the strategies is very simple. It's based off the person, right? Because everybody has different goals in life. Not everybody wants to be a super landlord and have a hundred, a hundred doors or be a big fix and flipper. Some people just may want their dream house and that's it. Or they may want to just get an, uh, one rental property because they don't really want to be a landlord. So it just really depends on the person, but the overall message is kind of standard for anybody at any level is here's how you get started. Here's the steps you need to take and here's what's available in the marketplace. And now go out there and execute and go on some shit. Just before you answer HV, what about risk, Matt? Do you also tell them like, this is going to be the biggest asset you're ever going to purchase, like go own some shit, but what about they fuck it up? Just like anybody else, regardless of community. Oh yeah. Look, it's definitely, you gotta, you can't, you can't talk about the good and not talk about the bad and the ugly. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because real estate or investing in period, you're going to have the good, the bad and the ugly. So we have to teach the risk. We, we got to teach our mistakes. We have to teach everything where we messed up and made mistakes. So that way the people coming behind us don't mess up or make those mistakes. So that's probably, my mess is my message, Eric. Not the good stuff, not the positive of how you making money and how you doing this. No, it's, this is what I did to mess up. And this is what I think you should do if you want to go down the same path. What about you, HV? What are we teaching? And then what's the strategy? And then how are you communicating that so you're giving them some tools? So here's the interesting piece. Remember what I mentioned to you at scale. So, you know, whereas I was local and talking to the New York City audience, um, thanks to, you know, guys like uh, Envy and, and, and Caesar and those guys, they put me on a platform that allowed me to reach more people. So Shout now out to I'm Envy just and like. Caesar. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And one, and one of the reasons that um, it's helped is now I'm teaching people, look, I don't need you to, like he said, I don't need you to be a mogul. I need you to invest in something. So whether I, I'm an expert in real estate. So that's where my, my level of expertise comes from. So I'm teaching you, like, look, whether you house hack, which is I'm going to live in the investment that I'm buying, or I'm actually going to go buy a multi-unit property, here are some tangible steps and how to do that. And then what Matt said, here's all the mistakes I made when I started, because unlike a lot of other people, I have no fear. I just go do stuff and then I figure it out as I'm doing it. But I mean, you know, I, there's a lot of collateral damage because of that. So outside of, so now I said, listen, here's all the things that I did wrong for you to avoid. And here's the things you can do right to make sure you have a higher level and a higher percentage of success versus 
somebody who, who went about it my way. And because of those, those, those mistakes and all the things that I did, but then also the, the things that I did, and Eric can attest to this, I was not afraid to go to the people who were better than me at it and go ask questions to the point where they tell me, okay, Harold, you got to leave me alone right now. You know what I mean? I was, I was that person that kept calling, kept knocking on the door, kept stopping by the office and learn these things. And now I can share this with the people. A lot of people won't have the chutzpah, we'll call it, to go get a seat at these tables because, and, and, and be comfortable enough to ask these questions. So now that I've been able to do that, I'm now bringing that knowledge back to the people who would never hear or have an opportunity to speak to these people. I'll, I'll share a great example of what changed my life. God rest his soul, Jerry Walkoff changed my life when it came to generational wealth. And, I, and I, some people have heard the story, and I'm going to share it now if you guys don't mind. Yeah. I'm in his office. And I said to him, why do, he's building a thousand units. I said, why don't you do a hybrid building? Do half condo, half rental. He said, for what? I said, you make a crap load of money. He said, I don't need the money. I said, what do you mean? I, he said, listen, these two buildings are for my grandkids. I believe in generational wealth. And I said, really? I said, tell me about that. He said, look, I bought this building when David was crawling through the building. And if you understand what I'm trying to tell you, I don't care about, he said, how much is it per square foot? I think at the time it was like $55, $55 to rent per square foot. For everybody, that just means it's a high rent. Let's put it like that. <laughs> but he said to me, I'll, I'll rent it for a couple of dollars less. All I want is it to be filled. So that way my, you know, my grandkids don't have nothing to worry about. That, that, when I tell you that's impacted me more than most other conversations I've had with any developer or investor or things of that nature, that this man was talking about something that he was building, putting a lot of effort into, he was building it for his grandkids. So, but I've been never taught that. I knew what my parents taught me was go to school, get a good education, get a good job, because that's what they knew coming from Haiti. I knew I got blessed enough to be exposed to other people who had more of a mindset of wealth and entrepreneurship. And I think of many people that are my same position or how they grew up were never exposed to it. So I'm going to expose them. And that's my job. And that's the level in which, and that's how I'm doing it is by teaching them the simple, the simple steps, because there's no excuse that you can't invest. House hacking is the easiest way for anybody to become an investor. In New York too, as expensive as New York is, you can, and then Matt can attest to this, you can get a law, you can get a mortgage for, a four unit that's one point something million, but they're gonna to take to the fact that you're gonna get rent in it and there's gonna be cash flow, so that way they, they, it makes it more affordable for the average person to own in New York. So there's no excuse why no someone shouldn't be an investor, even at a small scale, just even if it just pays the mortgage to their dream house, or it just pays their kids' education, or it pays the car note, the cell phone bill, or whatever. There's a purpose behind that property, and that's what I'm trying to teach them. That's what one of my mentors taught me, and that's what I'm trying to share to the people that if you if you move at it with a purpose anybody can do it well let me just back it up because i think that the message is correct but i'm just curious do they know the risk that you guys take is there how do you explain to them and this is to anybody and i'm not i'm not front i'm just saying your community the most vulnerable right at risk you know mm -hmm. of, of not being able to have liquidity how are you telling them that you are commission-based and, 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 and what that means to your lifestyle? And, 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 and how do you explain that to just the person? Because, look, 
Well, know, I don't think they're, I don't think that's their audience. See, originally when we first started talking, I think I, I was under the impression because my own brand, right, is to influence my community in doing what I do though. But what's fascinating about them is they're not telling their community, go out and be a mortgage broker, go out and be a real estate broker. They're saying go out and be a real estate investor. And where they got this knowledge from was from their careers, which is what I think is most fascinating, but you're right. Because what do these people do for a living? Who, what does your audience do on their day-to-day? -day? Because what Eric's saying is either they're taking the risk on becoming a full-blown developer investor, which is, I mean, I'm married to one. I can tell you it's probably the most trusted. But like I said, it's not full-blown, right? If you're, right. if you're so a house this hacker, is your second, if I'm, this if is your I'm, side hustle, you're teaching a side hustle. Yeah. Well, if I buy a four, let's say, let's even be even more simple, right? If I buy a two family to start off with, I mean, we, we, we tell four, three, two, one to start with a four and go down, but let's say you, you can't, you only want to do a two. Okay. If you do it right, we're showing you, you can live for free in this household, right? So now I'm living in a house that's being paid for by my tenant that additional disposable income can be used for other things, hopefully to invest more, but even if you don't want to go that route, but now they have disposable income to go on an extra vacation with their kids, create more experiences, do those type of things. There's no, I'm not saying there's no risk. Yes, can you get a bad tenant? But let's be real. New York City, for instance, has a, well, right now might change a little bit, but in general, has a 98% vacancy, you know, a 2% vacancy rate. So meaning most places are rented and usually there's not as many bad tenants Everybody hears about the bad stories, but the majority of people pay their rent during normal times. So, so yes, there's risk, but not as much as people make it out. Matt, or both of you, it doesn't matter. How are you even getting to the point of being able to own anything or even have a conversation, right? Like, let's back up further. What are you telling somebody who's like, I have no money to my name, no credit, where do I start? Because if- Where do you start? Get the a job. Payment, the closing get, get a job. Get a job. Right. No, so you have right. a job. But, so you're right. So then, so then what's next, Matt? Like, who are you? How are you what's, going? What's, what's next is very simple. You build your foundation, right? You cannot build a house and start with the roof of the right. house. You, you got to start with your foundation. So your foundation in anything is going to be your education. It's going to be your team members. It's going to be your capital. You know what I'm saying? You got to start there, building your foundation. Take this information, you learn from it, and you go out and you execute. It's very simple. If you, if you understand the pros and the cons to any situation, you can make an educated decision. We're all adults at the end of the day. Right. You should be investing if you are an adult. And you have children out here that are investing. Teenagers investing and killing it. So if teenagers can do it, and you're an adult, there's no excuse in 2020 why you can't. Maybe in 1990, 95, 2000, even 2005, 2010 as early. I'll even give you the 2015. You can probably say you didn't know the information. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But over the past yeah. four to five years, the information is there. Correct. So, so you educate, sick, and you know it's working. The message is getting out there. How is it now that you win, right? Because the reality is we're trying to grow wealth within the community. So you have to win. You can't, you can't invest and lose, right? So how are you now? What's the next step? You teach them, boom. How do you now, within the teaching moment, strategizing? 
Like, are you giving examples? People come to you with their neighborhood. Like, how do you get, and you're in a room with, and there's both of you, you're not in a room with everybody from Queens looking at this block. You have to somehow communicate that in a way that the audience understands. All of that gets communicated via social media platforms and, and, and different communities. You know what I'm saying? There's enough information where people are showing the day-to-days of their operations where you can chime in and you can see what they're going through and they're teaching it. And this is happening all across the country. So how do we win, Eric? Number one, we stop buying stupid shit that we okay. don't need. Number one, we stack our bread. We get to, we, we, and we invest it. You can play the stock or options market with as little as 500 bucks and make some money every single day if you take the time to go to YouTube University and watch it, you know what I'm saying? And then go apply it. This is what we have to do to win. To just, and this is just, I'm, you know, I'm not really even trying to be funny right now. I'm just being serious. Like, that's how we win. Like, very simple. We apply the information. It's here. There's no excuse. Period. So how are we going to win, Eric, is we're going to continue to have these type of conversations with people from all walks of life. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's, we, we have to be able to expand. We have to be able to grow. And as the community continues to own more and own more, we take back our power. Agreed. So that was going to be, and yeah. Harry, I'll let you, before I have another point, but I'd love to hear how you're trying to communicate it. Well, here's the thing. So it's, so like I, I piggyback on some of the other things that people do. Like Matt will tell you, I, I can help you buy a home with three and a half percent down. In most, most communities around the country, outside of like the New Yorks and San Francisco's and things of that nature, that's usually somewhere between seven to $11,000. If you have a regular job, whether it takes you a year to year and a half, you can save that money to go, to go purchase your first property. The question is, do you want, what's the sacrifice you're willing to make? So we're showing you the steps that are necessary. Now, like Matt said, you have to execute those steps. If you follow the steps, everything is a formula, to be very frank with you, right? So whether I'm in New York, whether I'm in Chicago, whether I'm in Houston, I'm in Cali, for example, I teach the 70% rule, saying, hey, you shouldn't buy um, or re- and rehab for more than 70% of whatever the after repair value is. That, that percentage works wherever you are, right? New York's a little tougher. You can play with that number a little bit, but most people, and you know as a developer, you want a 30% margin of return, Right? So that's a formula. So whether the house is 300,000 or 3 million, it's still the same percentage. So that's yeah. what I'm teaching you is the basics and that foundation of building blocks. You go use that in your community where you're able to do it, right? If you can't do it there, like, listen, I'm, I'm, I want to invest in New York. I learned that the hard way. At the time, my capital wasn't ready. I'm investing in Chicago. The numbers make more sense for me there, right? But I was able to build a team and get some people to help me. We're teaching people how to build a team. Who do you need? You need a mat. You need an attorney. You need a, a management company. We're teaching you all the things that you need, all the necessary tools. Again, whether you're scared or not is, is the question. Are you willing to execute? Is it, do you want it enough to make it happen? Now the excuse is, I don't know what I'm doing. Yes, you do. We give you the information. Yes, some of you are going to still learn by baptism by fire, but we're minimizing that learning curve. You're not walking into something not knowing that my first, ju- my first investment shouldn't be a gut rehab. You're knowing, hey, maybe I should start with a house hack, keep it simple, and then maybe next one do a cosmetic flip or a cosmetic buy that I just need to do some, you know, change the kitchen in the bathroom and throw some paint, 
right? Now I got a little wherewithal. Hey, I got a few chops. I got a little money saved. Maybe I could take on a gut renovation, but I got to do it in, in steps, right? You got to crawl before you walk. So uh, and walk before you run. And that's the things that we're teaching everybody how to get there. Yes, here is the pinnacle, but here's the steps to start. And, and you can walk anywhere up to that pinnacle you want. That's on you. You know what I mean? Now, how is the, how is the community itself? Right. And I, I, and I mean that like, you know, you hear about certain cats in the north of, of Long Island, all insular, helping each other. There's some neighborhoods in Brooklyn where everyone gets together and helps each other. Down in Miami, everybody gets together. Do you see that the community now is getting stronger and then picking up uh, certain members and working together? Absolutely. Matt, you want to go first? Like from the banks Absolutely. to the landowners to the, the tenants. Do you see that now, that collaboration? Yeah, collaboration is greater than competition. And it, I see that. It, is it happening in your community? See, because like what? Because what you guys did was you both fought your way to earn a seat at the table, grabbed a piece of the pie from that table, and now are bringing it back to your communities, which just in that one step, like, you know, having been a chameleon, having gone into a different world, having then, you know, had no ego, educated yourself, worked hard, and now you're able to translate that message do you think you're going to be able to translate that message without your audience having gone through what you had to go through to get there right yeah absolutely because the audience is moving and shaking and doing doing what they got to do and, and if you think they're about exe they're, they're yeah, executing I'm sorry. yeah they're, they're executing you know people are executing and give me an example give me an example matt where are you seeing the community vertically integrated and getting it done. So I, I'll, I'll give an example. I think he's losing signal a little bit. We lost him. Um, but I was saying Chris Senegal has, the, has been able to go back into a community that was forgotten, buy it back in the corner, buy back the, buy back the block, as they say, and, and, and is bringing people along. And he's crowdfunding through the community that he's serving. Yeah. So. And is that, is that neighborhood, is it historically, was it historically where he grew up and he went back to that neighborhood and the bank, are there banks that finance from the area? Because look, your biggest partner is the bank. So are there also bankers that are- Well, working? see, he got, he got creative. He got creative and, 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 and financed it, not only through seller financing, but raised money through the community, through uh, um, general crowdfunding. And that was by people putting up $500, $1,000, $2,000, $10,000, whatever the amount was. And he raised a significant amount of money for the community to do that and went about it in a way that is not traditional, but showed that it could get done. Meaning there is no excuse. If you're really about that life, again, depending on what level you want to get to, it's, it's possible, right? And he's done it. And there's other, there's another example of that. What, and what I was going to say is what we realized, me and Matt, is that the people that we're um, resonating with and are bringing together are like-minded people. So then now there's people kind of meeting each other within our platforms and they're collaborating together. And it's showing that, yes, we all can work together and do what the community in Brooklyn does, that community on the North Shore does, these, these guys that's in the cigar clubs and part of these certain organizations do. It's, it's plausible. Do we have their, their, their footprint yet? No, but you have to start somewhere you know what I mean? If you start as an ant, we could end up as an elephant. Who knows? So, but it has to start somewhere. And I think the past few months, 
besides COVID and of course the you know uh, George Floyd and those type of things are showing that there has to be a collaboration amongst us to be able to achieve things that are a little bit more difficult than usual. But if we do it together, there's more of a shot that'll happen. No, a hundred percent. You know, it's just you know for for Alyssa and I, it's good to hear, right? Because we're 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 in our little bubbles. You know, we we go to the city. We have our you know, where I'm building or developing. So I don't have that, that national breath. I don't know if you see it as much. Well, I see it through them. And I think that's why I wanted to bring them on because I think that it's, it's, it's a, first of all, I think your stories are really inspiring in and of themselves. Even if, you know, nobody listened to anything that you had knowledge wise, even if they listened to your stories, you take something away. Right. But I think even more importantly, because when I first went on with even Matt on the live, you know, the first thing that people kept asking me, was like, oh, well, can you hire someone? Can you hire someone? And I never agreed that that was a solution. So what I think that both of you are doing that is so admirable is that you're creating, besides generational wealth, generational education, right? And I think that something I've learned even being part of, you know, the Jewish community for not that long, you know, is how that community based on education and helping each other and investing and keeping each other in the loop and, you know, has done incredibly well for being such a small community when you realize the size of the population of the actual community, right? And the crap that they endure. So I think that um, I appreciate you guys coming on and giving us this insight. I want to wrap it up with where, what, where is your future heading and what is, what is, you know, the ultimate takeaway for you? What is the ultimate goal for the next 18 years, let's say? So, you know, um, again, God rest his soul is to be a Jerry Walkoff in some form of version, right? Um, to be a Don Peeble, as known as the, you know, the biggest black developer in, in the country. So whether I, whether it's by holding, you know, multiple multifamilies and, and, you know, hundreds or thousands of units um, and, and teaching my kids to, to know how to manage that and pass it on to generation to generation. And listen, I, I'll leave you at this, right? Um, and this is a story that I'm going to put together at some point because I, you know, I want my mom's story to be told, and, and everybody's gonna say it's because of my mother. But my mother came from an agricultural side of Haiti, left her house at 10 years old to start working, to feed, help feed the family. Somehow got to America, and ended up bringing all her brothers and sisters to to America. Now I have 30 cousins that include lawyers, doctors, doctorates, um, you know, nurses, real estate professionals, you name it, right? So, but, but that's, that's just, to me, that's the beginning of her, my father's legacy. If we can show that she did that, she planted that seed there, and now we can grow it to something that resonates. And listen, I, I don't, I don't want to, you know, I can't say I want to be the Rockefellers or, you know, the Kennedys or the Rothschilds of the world, but I do want to have a name that's synonymous with not only is he, you know, created generational wealth, he's created opportunities for other people and show them how to do the same things and gave them, gave them stepping stones to do that. So at the end of the day, what my parents did and what hopefully me and my brother will continue to do and the rest of my family, listen, God willing, you know, and, and be like a Jerry where, you know, now his sons, David and Adam are taking over and his grandkids who, who this, he built those five point buildings for will continue to, to share that with his family, which I'm sure they will because the way it sounds like he talks, that's not an, that's not an option, it's a necessity. Right. Like we don't we don't move other than for generational wealth. Everything is, is done with the thought process of passing it on to, you know, 
And as my favorite book would say, and I'm sure you've read it as part of your book, um, you know, a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. You know, so I, that's that's my what goal. Book? I want to leave them for my children's book? children. Well, the Bible, you know, Proverbs. So Simon wrote for both of us. <laughs> we we want our audience, in case they aren't, you know, well versed, oh, yeah. to yeah, know where knew. that's coming from. You know where it was, bro. You know, we knew. <laughs> well, but yeah, you know, look, you know, whether you know that book is obviously my my biggest influence, but then you got books like Rich Dad Poor Dad, and you know, Think and Grow Rich, just changing your mindset. It's really a mindset change, right? Um, if my mom understood what I understood, and my my father, my father tried. He made a lot of mistakes and was not able to execute at a level, but my brother took the torch and he executed. So he was my first mentor in real estate and taught me, you know, the, the, the power of buying multifamilies. So, you know, we're, we're, we're now the head start for our kids. And if our kids decide to, you know, take the torch and run with it as well, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not going to say uh, I want them to be like Trump, but I do want to give them a chance that they take what we, we built and make it bigger. Right. And, and, and continue to do that and, and be able to still give opportunities back to, to everyone, including the family. Well, listen, we, 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 we only hope, yeah. you know, that that you do. Right. And that honestly. And that you continue to influence others to do the same. And it's, and it's not only Absolutely. that you do, it's that you think you do. Right. Because I already think and your kids probably do and Alyssa does and everyone else yeah. that you do. But yeah. it's about your perception at the end of the day. But listen, we, we appreciate the time you gave us and that we unfortunately uh, had lost them the connection but um look we, we really appreciate it thank you so much what you guys are doing absolutely is incredible and um thank you and i only hope that i can can give back in, to my community the same way that you guys are going to continue to give back to yours because i think that this you ability will. to influence and and influence in a way that's actually going to leave a long lasting you know, real healing effect on, on and the culture in general for everybody uh, is going to be something that's, you know, le legendary. What you're doing is legendary. Everybody, 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 everybody.